welcome to the next episode of uh, Take Heart. My name is Davon Dixon, and uh, I get to bring you today's devotion. Uh, just like I started off last time, I've got to say I miss you guys. Uh, we love our church family, and but I'm encouraged. I'm encouraged because I'm seeing you guys everywhere. Uh, I see you guys out and about, and when we meet, it's just awesome to see how God just 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 shows us love and affection for one another. Um, I wrote down in my notes that um, just some funny things. I I, I see a teen's uh, grandma and and food lion and we're yelling across the aisles i love you and uh and it just warms my heart to see you guys and we're at the the food truck last week and um not planned or anything like that but uh four or five or six of us show up and we can't help but get in a circle and and talk about how great god is and how much our 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 love for god has grown and how our prayer life is and how uh, our readings are and our devotions and um to be honest with you, last weekend, I found myself at Lowe's. Um, can't remember what I was getting, but I went there just after breakfast, and I ended up having a devotion in the patio section, where we just sat down, we opened God's Word, and um, we were on our phones kind of digging in, and it was just, COVID won't stop us. Um, you can close the building, but it's just fun to realize that God is in our hearts. It's, the Holy Spirit is in us, and, and it's what we do is glorify God. We, we worship God. We, we long for God's word. So that's encouraging. However, we might be going stir crazy. I mean, there's been, there's been some weeks now that we are uh, trapped in the house and we can have some real practical concerns. I wrote a few down. Um, I've heard things and talkings is, hey, is this the new normal? Are things always going to be like this? Or um, some of you guys are, are, are worried about if your company can survive after being closed for almost a quarter or your unemployment check hasn't come yet or um, the kids are just driving you nuts. You're in the house with the kids and you can't get away. There's no break anymore. Or um, maybe you're just lonely. Right. Church was your your outlet. And all these things are, are real concerns. But I want to submit to you today. I want to challenge you today. To, to know that it's your perspective that matters the most. It's how we look at things that really shape um, how we perceive that environment. And as Christians, we have a responsibility to do it a certain way. So today, I am going to challenge you um, that every question, every concern, every challenge that you're faced with, I want you, I want you to preface it with, a, um, with another question. And so we're gonna look at that today. Uh, so in order to do that, in order to change your perspective, I'm going to cheat. I'm going to use God's word because I know it works. So um, I want you to turn your Bibles to Mark chapter two. And um, what we're going to do is uh, there's a lot of information in Mark chapter two. We're going to kind of slim it up a little bit and we're going to um, set the scene with verses one through four. And then we're going to dive in around verse five and see what God has for us today. So um, if you're with me, say amen from where you are. And whenever you are, when you're watching this, um, grab your Bible and um, let's get into God's word together. OK, verse one, it says again, Mark chapter two, verse one, again, he entered Capernaum after some days. And it was heard that he was in the house immediately. Many gathered together. So there was no longer room to receive not even at the door. And he preached the word to them, 
Then they came to him, bringing him a paralytic who was carried by four men. And when they had come, when they could not come near to him because of the crowd, they uncovered the roof where he was. So when they had broken through the roof, they let the bed down on which the, the paralytic was lying. So just some backdrop really fast here. Um, Jesus had previously been in the city healing and teaching, and he got so popular that they drove him out. So he, he comes back, he's popular, people want to be around him, he's attractive. And so these four guys, they say, listen, we have the guy that's in the absolute worst, um, the worst physical condition. He can't move, he can't even get himself to Jesus. So we're going to take him, and that's a great idea. That's a great idea. Um, we're going to pick it up in verse 5 and say, okay, this is where the physical need meets Jesus, and we're going to see what happens. So um, just look down, verse 5, it says, When Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralytic, Son, your sins are forgiven you. So what happened there? So if you were there, put yourself in the room. It's crowded. The roof is torn down. This guy gets lowered down on this on this mat in front of Jesus and uh, paralytic, he's probably got some apathy or he, his, his muscles aren't moving right. And, and so it's obviously he needs help. And Jesus says, I'm gonna repeat, son, your sins are forgiven. Gotta be honest guys, that's anticlimactic. Nothing happened. He's still laying there. Um, the guy doesn't get up. There's no thunder and lightning. There's no voice from heaven. Um, it's probably an awkward pause where people thought and say, what's going on here? Us as Christians, having the word, we know different because our Bible tells us different. Um, if we look at verse 5, we understand that first, Jesus saw their faith. And so as Christians, we know that when faith meets the love of God, grace is imminent. Right? Those things can't coexist in the same space without um, a deliverance of grace. And so we need to watch for that. And so um, what do we know about grace? Right? As we watch for it, I want to submit to you guys that grace is immutable and it dominates sin. Uh, Romans 5.8 tells us, but where sin abounded, grace abounded much more. And John, 1 John, or no, the Gospel of John, chapter, uh, verses 4 and 5 says this, in him being Christ was life being grace. And the life, the life was the light of men and the light shines in the darkness and the darkness did not comprehend it. Um, when you think of grace, understand that it's not bound by sin. It's something that lavishes over us and, and, and it's all consuming. So what did Jesus really do? He didn't do anything physical, but he did something spiritual. So let's look at it. The first thing that Jesus did as he spoke the word to him, he said, son. Now, uh, I don't know how familiar, but Jesus is about 30 years old, and this is a grown man, so their age difference doesn't warrant him calling him son as if it was slang. Um, this is a term of endearment. He called him offspring like a father would call a son. And that's weird. But what is he doing spiritually? Spiritually, he's making a permanent connection with this man. Um, the best example I can give you is that my father, his name is Donald Dixon, and that's my dad. Uh, and there's nothing I can do to change that. From the moment I was born of him and my mom, uh, they will always be my parents. I will always in some portion belong to him 
And so though Jesus didn't do anything physically, he made a permanent connection with this man. This man became permanently connected with God. He was lowered through the roof, lame and worthless. You know, they picked him up off the side of the road. But after the, his initial encounter with Jesus, he became the son of the king of the universe. So where other people may not see value, um, his status ultimately became elevated spiritually. So uh, a lot of times we struggle with self-esteem and there's just some practical application here. And we wonder if we've lost our job or um, if things aren't going around the house. We, we look at the, our circumstances in the physical and um, man, we can, get, we can get down on ourselves. But you need to understand that your self-esteem doesn't come from who you are, but it comes more from who your father is. And if our father is Christ, the Lord, the King of Kings and Lord of Lords, the Alpha and Omega, um, the one who has all authority on heaven and earth, then um, we should never, ever be low on ourselves. We should never get down or depressed because um, we have a father who says this about us. He says, but you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood. So step one, God made him a son. Step two is back in verse five, he says, Jesus forgives him of his sins. He says, your sins are forgiven. Now, which sins? His past sins, his current sins, uh, his current sin state? Um, I would say all sins. And that's fortunate. It's not like Jesus asked him anything about himself. He understood his faith. And from that, he forgave him his sins. Um, and he did that knowing full well the cost involved. Jesus forgave this man of his sins knowing that he would one day have to go to the cross very shortly and pay the price completely for all the sins past, future, and present. Uh, the best example I can give you guys, um, when my daughter was born, I was able to hold her first. And I wasn't prepared for that event. And when I held her for a moment, I comprehended or contemplated, man, she's gonna make some mistakes, some considerable mistakes. But in that moment, I already reconciled within myself that she belongs to me and I'm a lover anyway. And I'm gonna choose to sit in that love and not be fearful or even impacted by the, uh, the potential for sin that the child had. But, but choose to focus on the potential for love. And, and, and I think that when Christ looked at this lame man full of faith, uh, there wasn't a question of sin at all but just a, a bringing into the fold. So, verse six, it says, and some of the scribes were sitting there and reasoned, reasoning in their hearts. Why does this man speak blasphemies like this? Who can forgive sins but God alone? Now, that's a great question. They don't know the answer because they don't know God. And so I think sometimes we find ourselves in that space wondering, uh, how can things be? And it's because we've lost sight of who God is. Because if you knew who he was and who you were talking to, then you knew that the statement was uh, acceptable and true. Verse 8, it says, But immediately when Jesus perceived in the spirit that they reasoned thus within themselves, he said to them, 
why do you reason these things in your heart? The question uh, that we need to pose ourselves in this devotion is, what things make us reason out Christ? What circumstances uh, could you be faced with that cause you to reason to the point where uh, you lose sight of what Christ can do? Think about it. Verse 9. And Jesus says, Which is easier to say to the paralytic, Your sins are forgiven you, or to say, Arise, take up your bed and walk? Now, I've got to do some confession here. Um, I want to tell you guys a really quick story. Um, these things are supposed to be short, so we're going to we're going to go quick here, but I got this wrong. Uh, we had a devotion, like a men's study, maybe two years ago, and we got to this, and just like guys, we got in there and said, oh my goodness, which one of these things are harder to do? Is it harder to forgive sins, and, and, and it, or, or is it harder to, to, to say, um, take up your bed and walk? Which one would, the, what's the right answer here? We got into a debate, and then this debate turns into a mantra, kind of where, um, over the last couple of years, I've been telling myself, well, um, which is harder? Is it harder to forgive sins or is it harder to do? And I would fill in the blank with anything random that I was struggling with. And uh, it was actually really, really effective. I would, um, I would say, which is harder? You know, I'd be outside exercising. I said, which is harder uh, for God to forgive sins, for Christ to forgive sins, or for me to la finish the last uh, 400 meters of this race? Or I would be in an argument and say, which is harder for me to hold my tongue or, or for, for Christ to forgive sins? And I would always kind of throw it against that weight and it would give me the courage to kind of uh, to move forward and to stay the course. So although it was very effective, it wasn't biblical. I was developing a uh, distorted biblical perspective on what Christ actually said. So what I want to submit to you guys is that Jesus does not say this. He doesn't ask us to compare what's harder for him. If we go back and expect the text, he says, which is easier? Which is easier for him to do? Um, and so when you reframe the mantra, if you reframe the evaluation, um, you come up with which is easier for God to do, for Christ to do, forgive sins, or you fill in the blank. And I've got this quote um, from my grandfather. Uh, from time to time when I do studies, I look at his notes, and in the same section, he says this. He says, which is most difficult, to forgive sins or to heal? Both are impossible for man, but for God, both are possible and with ease. And I think we forget that when we're faced with a challenge or with a concern. And right now there's plenty of challenges and concerns, but it's not which is harder for God, but it's which of these things are easier for him. So think about your questions. Is this the new normal? Can your company survive? Uh, when will I get my unemployment check? Uh, what are the, when are these kids gonna get out of the house? Um, when can I fellowship again? Or well, ultimately, for me, is when's church gonna open back up? Like, what are we gonna do? And then say, which is easier, to forgive sins or to accomplish any of those tasks? Now, for us, they seem difficult, but for Christ, they can't be hard. But 
we're in this situation for a reason. Verse 10 says this, it says, but that you may know that the Son of Man has the power on earth to forgive sins. He said to the paralytic, I say to you, arise, take up your bed and go to your house. Now, you, one would have to ask themselves, is the paralytic's condition, is the miracle for him? The verse says, so that you may know, he's speaking to the Pharisees. He's not speaking to the paralytic. So I would say, I would ask you to think about your situation and how you walk in it, because it may not be for you at all. Your battle with unemployment, your battle with the stresses on the job, your battle with the fear from um, COVID or any other, your loneliness, whatever it is that's ailing you, um, as you walk through that, it may be for an audience, both spiritual and physical, but it's not about you. Uh, I want you to reference John chapter 9, verses 1 through 3. It says this, it says, Now Jesus passed by. He saw a man who was blind from birth. His disciples asked him, saying, Rabbi, who sinned this man or his parents that, his, that he was born blind? Jesus answered, Neither this man nor his parents sinned, but that the works of God should be revealed in him. Guys, we are living poster boards for Christ. Our, you want people to inspect your life and you want them to know who God is when they look into your life, no matter what your circumstances. So count it joy that, that you are being used by God in the moment and know that no matter what your situation, the results are always going to be the same. Um, verse 12 back in our text says this, immediately after being spoken to by the Lord, he arose, took up his bed, and went out in the presence of all of them, so that all were amazed and glorified God, saying, we never saw anything like this. So my prayer for you this morning or this afternoon, whenever you're watching this, is that um, you ask yourself, which is easier for God? And then you allow God to use you in your walk in the circumstances. And the dire the circumstances, the better, because it shows that these things that are earthly tough are heavenly easy. So be encouraged, challenge yourself. Uh, God bless and Godspeed. Thank you.